You don't you don't want to put a cat monkey in a box, you know? Schrodinger's cat monkey. Hello, welcome to JudgeCast. This is episode number 164. My name is CJ Trader, and with me, as always, my two inventive co-hosts. First off, we have Jess Dunks. Hey, this is Jess. I should have gone with Revolting and Brian Pilliman. Uh, that's, that's fine. You can go with revolting for me. All right. I mean, that's, that's an Im- improvising My one. Yeah, it is improvising. Thank you. It is improvising. Yes. Oh, I'm Brian. You're supposed to say hi. Yeah. Thanks. Oh, hi. I'm Brian. <laughs> Otherwise, how will people know? Oh, I, I don't know. Yeah. So this is our release notes episode for Aether Revolt. And to help us out, we brought a very special guest, Amanda Coots. Did I pronounce your last name right? Yep. Should have asked that before. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I don't know, man. You know how it is. I could have. It could have been like Amanda Kotz, and I don't. I don't know. It no, just been with a C. Amanda. I don't know. So, so Amanda, tell us. Tell us a little bit about yourself. You are a level two from Houston, Texas. Houston, Texas. Well, technically a suburb of Houston. It's not. It's not just all like fields of of cattle and cowboys and stuff like that. No, I mean there are cowboys and cattle, mostly in the western. Central areas of Texas. I guess yeah. rodeo time, you get quite a few cowboys in Houston as well. Yeah, yeah. That's amazing that there's a rodeo. Ro- yeah, I was going to say, you know, rodeo season. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's the it's the big event. It's not, in for Houston, it's not quite what you think of for a rodeo. I mean, there's all the normal events, but it's also big concerts. It's usually when we get the biggest names in town. So you're saying that you, you, you aren't the Texas stereotype except when the rodeo's in town. Um, I don't know if I'm ever the Texas stereotype. Well, not you personally, it's where you live. Sure. Okay, I don't, sure. I don't know. I, I didn't picture you as, as, a, as a cowboy, no offense. <laughs> not quite. I also spent, I also lived several years in Georgia, so, oh. uh, well, Texan well, and Georgian. I'm really, I'm really fascinated by, like, what, what it, what it's like when a rodeo comes to town, like, when a big rodeo <laughs> comes, you, you know, like. Plan a trip to Houston? What? Let's go. Oh. Judge Cast trip to Houston. <laughs> Rodeo cast. That Wait. sounds that sounds interesting. Yeah. Uh didn't we try that once? It didn't work out. Well, I mean they had three three pairs of boots for one. <laughs> I we don't need to hear that story again from <laughs> three years ago. Okay. Anyway. Alright. So let's get into the release notes. So uh we'll start off with the mechanics because the mechanics shouldn't take too long. Sometimes we split into two episodes, sometimes we don't. This time we did not. So it's worth mentioning that the Masterpiece series is back, and I don't think we ever need to mention this again because it's going to be in every set from here on out, right? For sure. Yeah, but I don't think you're going to get that choice. Oh, correct. <laughs> I won't. Uh, <laughs> does it make people sad or excited? You know, this is my last release notes episode. But uh, that makes me sad. Makes but, you sad, but, but you know, but listeners. It does make me sad. Yeah, it just right. it makes me excited because the next notes are going to have talk about expeditions because CJ said not to. In right. The, and even fine. if we edit it out, we'll still just make that wave file and send it just to you. Oh, thanks. He won't listen to it. No, he, I won't. You will, because we'll tell him that we say something about him in it. I'm blocking you both once this is done. So we have <laughs> expeditions. So those are the super special foil cards that are in the packs. Um <clears throat> So just to rehash real quick, these are legal and limited events. Um, they are not legal in... They do not make that card legal in standard or modern unless that card was already legal in standard or modern, like uh, like Ornithopter, as an example, I believe, was also printed as a regular card in Aether Revolt, wasn't it? 
Uh, yes. Yeah. Yes. But wasn't Ornithopter printed in the last set? Oh, was it? Is a masterpiece? Or was it? Was it this one? No, no, no. It's this one. Okay, my bad. So, so it's an or- so Ornithopter was printed as a regular card and as a masterpiece, is what I believe. Uh, I think all of the masterpieces were regular cards at some point. Oh, it's a regular card no, in no, this set. In, in Aether Revolt. Oh, I must have missed that. That's really cool. I, I did it, not know I that they it did is. that. Now, now, now you got me thinking I'm wrong. Got you questioning yourself. Yeah. Don't worry, it'll be the next set. <laughs> Maybe. All right. Well, if that was true, that Ornithopter <laughs> is a regular card in the set and a masterpiece, then Ornithopter would be legal and standard and you could play it. If that's not true and Ornithopter is only a masterpiece, then you could not play Master or Ornithopter in standard. But you would be able to play it in modern since it was definitely in Magic 2015. Yes. And uh, I think that's really it. Um, it looks like it is in the set. Great. So, also, not just as the masterpiece. So, so some 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 point that that gets asked, and this is this is for the the, the players at your at your local store F and M and stuff like that. Um, if you open a really expensive uh, uh, ornithopter, um, and <laughs> you don't you want to play it, but you don't want to damage the card, and you ask, "Hey, can I just?" Uh, grab a revised planes and write ornithopter on it. Uh, that's not allowed because you, you, there's no proxy in cards. However, if you had your, um, you know, your magic 2015 ornithopter, uh, the, the, the judge TO would probably let you, uh, do that, swap that out because you are still, you are playing with the actual card. I mean, why wouldn't you have an ornithopter with you at all times? Well, I mean, I, I carry around my antiquities ornithopters with me sure. all the time. Um, so, you know. So, Brian wanted to talk about energy again, but I don't have the energy for that. However, there's a whale attached to it, and we're contractually obligated to talk about whales. We are. That is why I picked the whale. So, there is an Aethertide whale. It's a six mana, six four flying. When Aethertide whale enters the battlefield, you get six energy counters, and. <laughs> I like that the the uh, reminder text says six energy counters, so you don't have to count it yourself. <laughs> and then <laughs> that that actually was a complaint that I saw recently. Yeah, uh, was that people were having trouble like sitting there one two three okay that's five. Yeah, and then you can pay. It's, it's the there's some of the green creatures that cost like eight green, and it's always annoying to count yeah, those. Yeah, yeah. Kalani. And then you can pay four energy and return Aether Tide Whale to its owner's hand. So it's basically Palancron. Exactly as good. Uh, yeah, no, no, it's not. Um, but Palancron, for, for those of you that may not know, was a card that uh, let you untap a bunch of lands when it entered the battlefield. And if you had ways of making your lands make more than one mana, you could just, just infinitely return it to your hand. It has a similar ability that returns it. Infinitely return it to your hand. Um, and uh, it was really good, and this will not make infinite mana for you. Although, I suppose if you add infinite mana, you could make uh, infinite energy with it, if that's the thing you decided to do with yeah. your infinite mana. So, and, and there is a ship that we could probably try and find out the scale and figure out how big the Aether Tide Whale is. So, yeah, so how does this compare to Colossal Whale? Because that's what people want to this know. Thing- this thing is like I think slightly smaller than a colossal whale. It is, actually. Like it there's, is. there's a little there's a little skyship there, which I assume is roughly the same size, uh, or actually maybe even smaller than than the ship on Colossal Whale. Um, oh well, no, these skyships are normally pretty big. I would... Well, there's some small ones too. It's hard to tell which one this yeah. is. Oh, hmm. I mean hmm. that could be an ornithopter for all we know. 
Hmm. I think it is. I think it is smaller than a than a colossal whale, though. I agree. It's, defi- it's definitely more slender. Yeah, like he's been hitting. The, he's been he's been uh, doing uh, cardio. And yet it's a six four. And he's flying. But yeah, yeah, he's just flying along. Takes a lot of energy to fly. Okay. Yeah, and 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 thus we've covered energy. And thus we have done <laughs> nothing actually educational so far. So <laughs> okay. Brian. You're the one who wanted right. vehicles and crew in here yeah. again. Yeah, so you, yeah, yeah. You do it. Make, this is my punishment? Yeah, but as quickly right. as you can. As quickly as I can. So really, energy, it's a listener's okay. punishment. Energy is a, yes, it is a, uh, energy is a new counter that you can receive, like uh, uh, poison counters or experience counters. It isn't mana. Um, it doesn't end. It doesn't empty at the end of turns and phases. You basically get the counter and you keep it until the game ends or you spend it. Um, Wait, what are you doing? Let's see here. What's that? What are you talking about right now? You get a counter and you either keep it until you use it or spend it. No, talk about vehicles. We are done with energy. Yeah, he was. Oh, he, we were he, done with energy. Yeah. Talk about. Oh, fine, 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 fine. Okay, vehicles. It's like wait, uh, what? consulate what dread counters. What? You know, you like okay, crew. Yeah, you get the vehicle counter. counter so you yeah, you get the crew counter. <laughs> you crew. Uh, you put a catalog counter when on you... your. <laughs> when you have six crew counters, then it's a creature. Everyone knows this. Yes. And then if it has seven counters, though, it becomes an enchantment. So you don't want to add art. You don't want to add counters to if you add counters to it mid combat, it becomes an enchantment is removed from combat. No. Um, So vehicles are back. They have the cool little borders. You can identify that they uh, that they are uh, that they're vehicles. Uh, They have a power and toughness box in the corner. Uh, but that's not an actual power, and that's that's only a power and toughness after it becomes crude. And what it becomes to mean crude is you say bad words. No, um, what it means is so they will have a number that says like crew one, crew six, crew nine, whatever. That means tap any number of those creatures you control with a power with a total power of whatever or more, and then it becomes an artifact creature until end of turn, and it's got the power and toughness written in the corner. Um, I think. Let's see. I think yeah. it's good because. Any of the weirdness we'll get into with specific cards. Yeah, uh, one one last thing. Uh, crewing happens when you pay the crew cost, not when the ability resolves. So that that can be relevant uh, uh, for certain things, but but the crewing is when you when you pay the cost, not when the ability resolves. So you're saying there's a moment where there's an ability on the stack that says this vehicle becomes an artifact creature until it is turned. Uh, so the creatures are all tapped. This ability is on the stack. But it's not yet an artifact creature. Is that what you're trying to get at? Well, I'm saying it's crude at that point, but it hasn't become a creature yet. Okay. Okay. The crew that the matters for triggered abilities that say right. when this when you crew this. Gotcha. Yeah, it gets plus one plus one until end of turn gotcha. or whatever. Yeah. Okay. All right. Okay. Those will resolve uh, before. Yes. Yes. Interesting. Yes. Okay. Yep. And uh, most vehicles won't have haste, and you can crew vehicles with other crewed vehicles. Yes. <laughs> so. Okay. <laughs> There's got to be an oil joke okay. in there somewhere. All right, so <laughs> crude oil. Uh, uh, Amanda, do you want to do you want to do improvise? Yeah, I was going to let Amanda do improvise because it's actually educational. Sure, I'll uh, improvise. <laughs> hey. So improvise is one of the new abilities, um, and this is an ability that the the reminder text says your artifacts can help uh, cast the spell. Each artifact you tap after you've done uh, after you're done activating mana abilities pay pays for one generic mana so the way i was thinking about this is it's kind of like the artifact version of convoke um for each of for each artifact you tap your mana cost is reduced by one well yeah your mana cost is reduced by one paid for 
is okay paper yeah, you're right and, sorry yeah, cj it's a important distinction um tapping an untapped artifact um pays for the generic mana but you can't get three mana out of your soul ring you can't use your mana you can't use your artifact for its mana ability and try to pay use it to pay for the improvised cost uh yes as as long as the mana ability doesn't it requires it to tap oh true good good distinction yeah there's 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 uh there are very few artifacts that just can make mana without tapping those you could probably still get away with most of the time okay uh, Sorry, jump on you, like, no, good, good <laughs> correction. Uh, it doesn't change the spell's actual mana cost or the converted mana cost. It's just helping you pay the cost. Right. Um, as the reminder test text helps with, um, it applies after the total costs are determined. Um, so this would, so that would be after any additional or alternate costs are determined. Um, you can't use the mana. You can't use the uh, one generic mana for any colored mana costs. Just your generic mana. And that's and that's the big difference between this and Convoke, beyond the fact that you can only use artifacts. And if you tap equipment, it doesn't fall off. <laughs> or yeah, yeah. Oh, I didn't even think about that. Yeah, that's actually pretty good. That's like, actually a pretty good like, note there. I, I knew that it wouldn't fall off, but like I didn't think about tapping equipment as an option. Right. Yeah, that's pretty sweet. Is there much equipment in these sets? Because I, I feel like vehicles kind of kick out equipment. I don't think there is, but it's still. I feel like they kind of play in the same space. But yeah, for standard or whatever. Yep. So yeah, there's there's yeah there's two equipment in Kaladesh. I don't know how many there are in either Reborn. All right, cool. So let's let's talk about Revolt. I could talk about Revolt. Uh, Revolt is a new mechanic, and it's uh, one of the cards that has Revolt as an example. is called Call for Unity. And it says, Revolt, at the beginning of your end step, if a permanent you controlled left the battlefield this turn, put a unity counter on Call for Unity. And then it says, uh, creatures you control get plus one, plus one for each unity counter on Call of Unity. And uh, this is, for those of you that remember the morbid mechanic, uh, this is kind of just like less morbid, morbid. Um, It's very much the same way. Um, Now, it's... Uh, it's an ability word that links similar abilities, similar abilities together, but the abilities can do different things. Um, so not every revolt card will put unity counters on things. They just, it just means if this condition is true, do another thing. Uh, and it may or may not be a a triggered ability. Who knows? Um, so what it checks for when something with revolt resolves, it checks to see if a permanent you controlled left the battlefield this turn or not. Uh, having multiple creatures change this, uh, or sorry, having multiple creatures having left, uh, the battlefield doesn't change the, the results at all. Uh, tokens are permanents, so if you have a token that uh, died, or was exiled, or returned to your hand, or anything like that, just like a creature, um, that counts as a permanent leaving the battlefield. Um, this This isn't the same as dying. Like I said, Things that die or leave the battlefield in other ways both count. And um, in case you're wondering, energy counters that you have aren't a permanent. So I know some people are using the energy tokens to represent their energy counters. Uh, if those leave the battlefield, those aren't tokens, so those those weren't permanents that you had. Uh, so if you see players doing that and they're trying to say, oh, well, it counts because I got rid of these, this energy, that does not count. Um, yet one thing you'll notice is that most things that uh, have revolt uh, as a triggered ability 
and they have intervening if clauses. This isn't going to be super relevant because there's no way you could ever change having had something leave the battlefield into not having had it leave the battlefield. That just doesn't matter. But you will observe that these are often uh, intervening if clauses. Um, was there anything about revolt that you guys wanted to mention that I might have left out? No. Uh, these are. So what do you guys think about these, the, the, the new mechanics? They're boring. I thought Kaladesh was boring, and I think these are boring. I'm noticing a pattern here. These are way more boring than Kaladesh was. Um, you know, sort of like these are, you know, Revolt is kind of like morbid rehashed, but you know, most mechanics are just like kicker rehashed. So whatever. I, I, I wonder if they intentionally, cause they were like, oh, well, vehicles are kind of tough. Like, like they said that like with bestow and stuff like that, that, bestow was kind of hard and they had a like heroic and there was a bunch of other crazy stuff so that they kind of felt like they needed to scale they didn't scale back enough so maybe this is they were like oh vehicles are hard to get their hard for people to get their heads around let's not risk added complexity maybe in the mechanics uh let's guess I i like that you're more likely to be able to trigger your own revolt like i can bounce you can bounce something or flicker it Trigger it other, but it's more fair or get a clue. You don't get a clue. You don't have to have such a narrow, you know, because in order for Innistrad to support Morbid, you had to have a lot of sacrifice cards. You know, you had to have that whole theme. Uh, Whereas Revolt can work in a lot more colors too. Right. So that that's fair. All right. Well, are we ready to do the the uh, the kind of card by card thing Um, where we fold out cards we thought were interesting? I would love to do that so much. (laughs) So remember when they. You know, change the spelling of Aether on all, all the cards that had Aether. I'm glad. They, yes. I'm glad they did that. Yeah, me too. So here's the Aether Sphere Harvester. It, this is another card. Before you get into this, this looks awesome. Yeah. The art on this card is just like I know it's supposed to be harvesting something, yeah, it, but it looks like it's just destroying. Yeah, it like, looks like it's just wrecking, shooting a, some kind of energy beam I mean, out. Why would a harvester be? It's a three-five. Why would a harvester be a three-five? So this is a vehicle for three mana. Has flying. When Aether Sphere Harvester enters the battlefield, you get two energy counters. Pay an energy. Aether Sphere Harvester gains lifelink until end of turn. And then, so we don't actually usually say this, but multiple instances of lifelink are redundant. Oh, it has crew one. I guess people would care about the crew cost because it was like crew 100. Who cares? Um, But yeah, multiple instances of lifelink. So activating this a bunch of times really gets you absolutely nowhere. But what would you do if you're a judge and someone asks, can I activate this multiple times? How should you answer that? Yes, but multiple instances of lifelink are redundant. Works for me. Yeah. <laughs> you disagree, Brian? Um, I mean, that's yeah. I mean, that's a, that's that's a perfectly fine answer. Yeah. Um, one thing that's interesting to note here is that you can activate that ability even when it's not a creature yet. Yep. Uh, so something that's not a creature can still have lifelink. Mm-hmm. Trying to think of any use for that, and I don't think I can. Uh, hey. Also, give it an ability to ping for one. I don't oh, know. I there is a card. Don't know where to do that. There's a card that it can give it the ability to ping for two, actually. And then you can give it lifelink. Perfect. We did it. We got there. You give an artifact lifelink that wasn't a creature and it matters. Yeah, I love yeah. it. Um, anyway. Uh, ooh. I get to talk about this sweet card. Ayani. Ayani. Uh, this is Ajani Unyielding. And if you're listening right now, you might go, I thought the card was called the Johnny Valiant Protector. Well, it's... it's uh, it's not, you're wrong, that card's not in the set. <laughs> um, anyway, yeah, Johnny Unyielding. So uh, Johnny Unyielding has three abilities, like most Planeswalkers that come out. 
Um, its first one reveals the top three cards in your library and puts the non-land permanent cards revealed this way into your hand and the rest on the bottom of the library in any order. Um, if people screw this up, we've talked a lot about how they can mess this up with looking at extra cards or hidden card error or whatever. You can go back to one of those, the, those episodes and check that out. I'm not going to delve too far into it. Um, the second ability says exile target creature. Its controller gains life equal to its power. Um, this refers to the power of the card as it last existed on the battlefield because it doesn't reference that creature card. It's only referencing the, the creature. It's referring to the last time it was on the battlefield. So if it has a bunch of counters or if it has uh, a giant growth effect, um, those will apply when you gain the life equal to its power. And then the last ability puts uh, a bunch of counters on each creature you control and each planeswalker you control. All right. Uh, so the next card, uh, is also a Johnny. Uh, so we Which have Johnny, uh, we, we, <laughs> we have two Johnnies. Me. I don't know what that got me. Yeah. <laughs> got, uh, this is a Johnny, a uh, Valiant protector. Uh, I have a Johnny. You have a Johnny. Everybody get the Johnny. So this is, this is the one from the Planeswalker decks, right? Yeah. This is the one from the Planeswalker decks. Okay. Sorry. Uh, so, uh, what they just like, just like last set, they've, they've started, um, coming out with Planeswalker decks, in which case they will have these decks have a few cards in them that are considered part of Aether Revolt, but are not available in packs. And both of the Planeswalker decks have eh, a Planeswalker. Uh, this is one of them. Uh, Johnny Valiant Protector. He's four green white. Um, loyalty four Planeswalker. A Johnny. Um, he has a plus two ability. Uh, put two plus one plus one counters on up to one target creature, meaning you do not have to have a creature in order to plus him. Um, the his, he has a plus one ability uh, that says reveal reveal cards from the top of your library until you reveal a creature card. Put that card into your hand and the rest on the bottom of your library in a random order. Uh, if you plus one and you go through your library and you don't have a creature, uh, you're you're basically shuffling. You're not shuffling, but you're shuff- uh, you're not shuffling per the rules, but you're shuffling per the physical action because that's what it means to put things in a random order. Um, and then he has a minus eleven ability uh, that says put X plus one plus one counters on target creature where X is your life total. Uh, that creature gains trample until end of turn. Uh, now, the, the important thing about here is the number of counters on this ability are determined when the ability resolves uh, and doesn't change. So if your life total goes up or down, the number of counters on that creature don't change as a result of that. And that's a Johnny. So I have a question. Yeah. If I use the plus two ability with no target creature, where do the two plus one plus one counters go? Into the ether. Yeah. I guess so it's it, just okay. weird wording. Yeah, so that's that's I mean that's a that's an interesting question. It's probably if you put on up to two and you just say zero zero creatures, then you're it's you're putting two counters on zero creatures, so the rules just would say nothing. Yeah, it it is kind of weird wording, um, because it does so. Like, well, where do the counters go? Uh, they just you just don't put them on anything. Yeah, I mean that makes sense. Uh, they just want to give you the ability to plus two. Right. Right. If you don't have any creatures. Uh, or if you, your opponent is the only one with creatures. Ooh. <laughs> oh, you want a plus two then a Johnny, huh? Well, it's too bad you don't have any creatures, and I got all these over here. <laughs> I'll even crew some of my vehicles to give you more options. <laughs> all right. Uh, oh. All right. All right. Barrel, Chief of Compliance. 
Barrel? that correctly. Barrel? Barrel? I hope it's Barrel. He because that's that's a barrel of laughs. I, well, I like Marl. It's Marl. I like bar- barrel racing? He made right. um, Chandra's Spark Ignite. I can tell you guys. <laughs> what? That's, uh, what? That's the guy. That's the guy who killed oh. the, uh, uh, Kieran Millar. Oh, okay. Come on, guys. Well, I d- didn't just follow the I, story. You can't expect us to know that stuff, man. Why not? Right. <laughs> that's the only reason we have you on the podcast is so that you can explain these things <laughs> <Yeah>. to us. <laughs> Carry on. So, Carl, Chief of Compliance, uh, says instant sorcery spell. Oh, it's a, sorry, it's a creature, a one-three legendary creature, human wizard. It says instant, instant, and sorcery spells you cast cost one less to cast. Um, and whenever a spell or ability you control counters a spell, you may draw a card. If you do, discard a card. So the first ability is a pretty standard cost reduction. Um, we, you can use that in combination with improvise. The second ability here, um, the countering a spell, uh, applies to pretty much anything that has the word counter in it. Um, if you exile a spell or um, remove all of its targets, that's not going to count as countering a spell. Well, <laughs> yeah. Was, uh, so right. removing all its targets does counter it, but it doesn't apply to this trigger because it says whenever a spell or ability you control counters a spell, and that's the game rules countering a spell. Right. What if I put counters on that one card that can get counters on the stack? Is that countering a spell? <laughs> I, I, I'd say yes. <laughs> Flavor judge. Yeah. Flavor yeah. judge rules it's acceptable. Get there. Oh, it's me. Yeah. Speaking of brawl, barrel, <laughs> I'm so sure of myself a little bit ago. Now I'm not sure. <clears throat> Bar- barrel's expertise. Five mana sorcery. Return up to three target artifacts and or creatures to their owner's hands. You may cast a card with converted mana cost four or less from your hand without paying its mana cost. So there's a cycle of these expertises, uh, and they all let you cast a card with converted mana cost something or less as as the card resolves. So I think here's the time to talk about if all the targets get removed, um, say they're killed or whatever. Maybe you're maybe you're only bouncing one of your own creatures and it gets killed then this spell will be countered. But if you're bouncing three of your creatures and one of them is killed, then this spell will still resolve. So all the targets have to be illegal uh, in order for you to <clears throat> have the spell be countered. Uh, also worth noting is that you don't have to choose any targets. You could pay five mana to get to cast a spell with four mana or less for free. What? What? It's <laughs> amazing. Why you would. What a, bar- what a bargain. <laughs> what a bargain. It's like Cascade, basically. It's the exact same. <laughs> Um, <laughs> uh, anyway, so it's worth a little refresher on command, com- uh, commander, converted mana cost, commander mana cost, converted mana cost, uh, is the cost of the spell in the top right corner converted into a number, right? So this costs three blue, blue converted mana cost is five. Uh, it doesn't matter if I'm paying blue, blue for it because I have three barrels all out somehow. doesn't matter. Um, the converted mana cost is always five of this particular spell. When you're casting the card without paying its mana cost, that's an alternate cost. And that means you cannot combine it with any other alternate costs. Uh, so if it has overload or you know some, something, some kind of alternate cost, you can't use the alternate cost when you're casting the spell when you're casting it for free. Also worth noting that if the spell has X in the cost, the X is going to be zero, but you're choosing whether or not you want to cast it in the first place. So just don't cast it. It's worth noting that this only lets you cast cards. These all the expertises only let you cast cards from your hand. So you're not going to do any flashback, which is an alternate cost anyway. 
or uh, anything weird like that. The spell, the spell you cast, <clears throat> the one with four mana or less, uh, you're casting that as Barrel's Expertise is resolving. And so that means that Barrel's Expertise is actually still on the stack as you cast that other spell. Uh, so if it's something that like gets a spell out of your graveyard or something like that, it couldn't target Barrel's Expertise. However, what's interesting about that is that <clears throat> because we do the, the effect of the text in order, uh, say, I don't know, say you got a creature locked down, right? It's four mana or cost or less creature, and it's locked down because it has a pacifism equivalent on it. You could return the creature to your hand with Barrel's Expertise and get to recast it for free because we do the effects in order, right? So the first step, return it to your hand. Second step, hey, you can cast a card for mana cost four or less from your hand without paying its mana cost. Well, you have this four mana creature in your hand. You could cast it. So I don't know. That's kind of crazy to me. What about uh, did, did you might have mentioned it and I missed it? But what about uh, split cards? Like if I want to cast Beck and Call, can I do that? Yes. What is the cost of Beck and Call? It's two and six. Two and six. Yeah. Yes. Is it two could. and six? I think it's two and six. Yeah, I think it's two and six. I think. Okay. Yeah. Um, yes, because when you when the game asks what is the converted mana cost of this card, the game gives a response, and the response is two and six. And so one of those is less than four. So yes, you can cast that spell without paying its mana cost. So can I cast, cast either side? That's what I was going to ask. Can I yeah. can I do that and then cast call even though it costs six? Yes, you can. Sweet. You could even, if it was a fuse card, is it beck and call? Yeah, beck and call is one. You could even fuse it. Because you're casting it from your hand. Because you're casting it from your hand. That's that's pretty sick. Pretty sick. Uh, all right. Um, you have assembled it. You've done it. All right. And uh, hold on, there's one other thing I was going to say about this. Oh, yeah, yeah, um, So if you have anything that triggers on casting a spell, uh, let's say you just have a whenever you cast a spell, draw a card. Um, so you cast Barrel's Expertise. That thing's going to trigger the first time you're going to draw a card and resolve. Then Barrel's Expertise will start to resolve. Uh, but that trigger is not going to go on the stack for the next spell you cast until Barrel's Expertise is done resolving. I'm not sure why it would matter, but it might. I, it yeah, I can't think of a reason off the top of my head. Yeah. All right, I'm good. Well, then let's talk about uh, Cogwork Assembler. Uh, Cogwork Assembler is a three mana two oh, three. Sorry, sorry. The the reason the reason why it's it's basically they're gonna because of when you're casting the spell those those triggers are going to go on the stack on top of the spell that you're casting. Yeah, but they normally do anyway. Uh, no, I mean, well, okay. Fair. You know, the triggers always do, so that is the way of the world. All right, sorry, Jess. Uh, that's okay. Uh, so Cogwork Assembler is a 2-3 artifact creature for 3 mana. It is an assembly worker, which is super relevant for that one card that finds assembly workers from the from the last set. Um, so uh, it has an ability that says pay 7 mana, create a token that's a copy of target artifact. That token gains haste, exile it at the beginning of the next end step. Um, so the token that enters the battlefield will have all of the characteristics of the physical card uh, that you're copying. It does not have any counters or continuous effects that are applied to it. Um, it doesn't have a status. It's not tapped. It's not flipped uh, or anything like that. Um, and um, if it has an X anywhere, uh, such as the mana cost, the X is zero. Um, let me think, does that matter for something? I'm not sure what that would matter for in this context. Um, like Hangerback Walker. Hanger back. Well, yeah. Yeah, Hangerback Hanger Walker, Walker is a great, great example. It would, it would just die. Yeah. Um, so copying a crude vehicle does not give you an artifact. It just gives you the uncrewed vehicle. Oh. So that actually works very well flavor-wise for a change. Um, yeah. 
I made another car, but it does not have a driver. Uh, yes. So it, it, it will have haste, though. So if you crew it, you can attack with it immediately. Um, let's see. It's entering the battlefield. So any replacement effects or triggers on it entering the battlefield are going to happen. Um, so, yeah, I think that's that's about it. We already talked about Hangerback Walker. Um, but what if I copied an animated Mishra's Factory workshop? Sorry. Then you would uh, the, the the that's the land, right? Yeah. yeah. So if you copy an animated uh, uh, you're, land, you're built your assembly worker deck. Oh right, yeah, that makes sense. Um, so if you copy an animated land, um, you just get the land. It's not animated already. It's just a land. And if it came into play tapped, it comes into play tapped. And then you exile it at the beginning of the next dead step. And then you're very sad. If this song, like if this next one came on like a mixtape and it was a song. I'd listen to it. Oh. Consulate crackdown. <laughs> it right. sounds like Final Countdown. Like, yeah. Consulate yeah. crackdown. Uh, so Consulate crackdown is three white white, an enchantment. When Consulate crackdown enters the battlefield, exile all artifacts your opponents control until Consulate crackdown leaves the battlefield. So this is one of those one of those cards that has the, you know, until... Uh, until card leaves the battlefield um so you're going to exile all the artifacts and then when constant crackdown leaves those artifacts are going to immediately come back so there's no point in time uh where constant crackdown is off the battlefield and they don't have their artifacts back uh the only real relevant thing that comes up and this does come up in in multiplayer maybe commander or something like that um if the player with Consulate Crackdown dies, uh, you're going to get your stuff back. So, That's a good deal. So, yeah, so uh, your Commander games, uh, two at a giant, it's less relevant because if a player uh, dies, uh, the game's probably over, most likely. Um, so that's all I got on Consulate Crackdown. Hmm. We're, now we're going to crack down on the constructs. <laughs> yes. Now this Crackdown is... I didn't realize there was a crackdown. Crackdown cycle. smackdown. Crackdown vertical cycle in this set. So crackdown construct is an artifact creature construct 2-2. Two, two. Uh, whenever you activate an ability, an artifact or creature of an artifact or creature that isn't a mana ability, crackdown construct gets plus one, plus one until the end of turn. So activated abilities are the ones with the colons in them. It's cost, colon, effect. Um, some of the keywords like equip and crew... Are activated abilities, um, even though they don't have the colon, it's there in their expanded text. Um, yeah, I think it's in, yeah, like, I think it's in like in crew, it's in the uh, reminder text too. And so, if you have an ability as like zero colon, that's an ability, that's an activated ability too. So this could be a combo there with your equip for for zero. Um, this isn't going to trigger on mana abilities, so uh, don't get excited about tapping your land where elves to make this guy bigger. Um, but Death Rite Shaman does work. Just to just clear on, uh, Death Death Rite Shaman has uh, it does have an ability that uh, adds mana to your mana pool. But since it's exile target land from a graveyard, since it has a target, it's not a mana ability. But Lotus Cobra wouldn't work because it's a triggered ability, and we're just talking about really old cards now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we are. <laughs> you just realized that. All right. <laughs> All right, Dark Intimations. That sounds terrible. Spooky. Yeah, this is a story card. Uh, <clears throat> it costs two black, blue, red. 
So I wonder what's going to go on here. All right, it's a sorcery. Each opponent sacrifices a creature or planeswalker, then discards a card. You return a creature or planeswalker card from your graveyard to your hand, then draw a card. Cute. When you cast a Bolus Planeswalker spell, exile Dark Intimation from your graveyard. That Planeswalker enters the battlefield with an additional loyalty counter on it. So, uh, Nicol Bolas confirmed for next set. What? Although I think we all knew that. I mean, his his horns are literally like the set symbol. So, <laughs> uh, it is worth noting that Nicol Bolas is not in this set. There is no Polis Planeswalker spell that you could cast uh, in, in this set. Maybe it's a Kaladesh invention right. that we haven't yet. Yeah, Nicol Bolas. Yeah. Oh, jeez, that's terrifying. well. I mean, so so so. Mega uh, it won't necessarily be artifacts in the next set. So like, you, you, yeah. I, oh no, you mean in this? Set. Never mind. Okay. Yeah. Derp. <laughs> Mecha bolus. Bolus versus Mecha bolus. Bolus versus Mecha bolus. Yeah. They well, okay. <laughs> I was gonna say uh, that's kind of how a Johnny. Nah, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, so. So the way this works with the ordering is if you're in a multiplayer game, uh, you're going to have each opponent, they're going to choose what creature or planeswalker they're going to sacrifice uh, in turn order, and then those will all be sacrificed at the same time, and then they're going to all set down a card that they're going to discard, and then they're all going to be discarded at the same time. Uh, and then after all that's done, you're going to get to return a creature or planeswalker card from your graveyard to your hand, uh, then draw a card. <clears throat> it's worth noting that that does not target, so you know they don't get to know what you're going to return before you uh before this spell results before they've already discarded and sacrificed something it's also worth noting that you don't get to choose if they're sacrificing a creature or planeswalker that's just up to them they have to sacrifice a creature or planeswalker but that's up to them and also note if you have more than one dark intimations in your graveyard and you cast a bolus planeswalker spell then you're going to exile all the dark intimations and that bolus will enter with that many additional counters. So if you have two in your graveyard, he's he's going to enter with two additional counters. Spooky. <laughs> Once again, Tezzeret is sent to a plane, and then he's doing something for Bolas. But I don't know. I don't know. I'm not completely caught up on the story yet. So maybe maybe I'm wrong. Maybe they tell us what he's doing. But I'm going to go ahead and guess they do not. Uh, I'm also guessing that he's taking portal technology so that he can get the Phyrexians onto a different plane. So yeah. Um... I'm, I don't mean to be dismissive, but I'm going to move on to the next card mm-hmm. uh, quickly. Um, <laughs> uh, the next card is called uh, Deft Dismissal. Um, I, I like this oh. card a lot because it has Gideon Art on it. Uh, and uh, let's see here. Deft Dismissal costs four mana. It's an instant. It says Deft Dismissal deals three. Man, I can't say that several times fast. Deft Dismissal. Dis- yeah. Uh, Deft Dismissal deals three damage divided as you choose among one, two, or three target attacking or blocking creatures. Um, In fairness, Brian never once said Consulate Crackdown correctly. What did I- <laughs> you can mess up Deft. You said like, you were like Consulate Crack Fart <laughs> whatever. I don't know what you said. But- <laughs> Oh, man. Oh, I'm not going to say anything. Those jokes aren't appropriate. Okay. Uh, Crap fart. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. That's not what I was trying to say, but that's what I said. So what are you, you going to do? You know. Um, so anyway, Death Dismissal deals three damage <laughs> divided as you choose among one, two, or three target attacking or blocking creatures. Uh, the relevant things about this spell are that you announce how you're going to divide up the damage when you announce the target for the spell. So as you're putting it on the stack, you have to decide what that distribution is. Your opponent gets to know before it resolves. And if you choose 
more than one target, every target you have has to be dealt at least one damage. That's really all there is that's interesting about this card. I just wanted to go over because it's got Gideon on it. Yeah, I feel like so we talk we talk about these all the time, but that's because like there's always that step of casting yep. the spell, right? There's the divide step, but there are actually very few cards that use it. So I think every time we see one, we try to call it out. That's true. There aren't a whole lot of cards that. Yeah. Luckily, we haven't had illusions in a long time, so we don't get the old question of, well, can I just target eight illusions and only, you know, do zero damage to all of them or whatever? Yuck, yuck. Answer is, yeah. answer is no, you can't. So, exquisite archangel. Uh, so this is five white white for a five five angel flying that has, if you would lose the game, dun dun dun. Instead, exile exquisite archangel and your life total becomes equal to your starting life total. Blah. Um, Brian, you just said ex- exquisite. Oh, did, did I? Or, yeah, you must yeah. have missed it. I don't know. Is this yeah, how I go is. out? Apparently, it's how you go out. <laughs> Jeez. This is not my last episode for the record, but. I'm going to. just okay. going to get worse from here on out. It is. Yeah. It is, is next episode just going to be you just, you know, putting your hands over your mouth and just blowing into the microphone? <laughs> yeah. Wonderful. Yeah. All right. Um, so. Uh, this this card, a great thing about this card is really going to teach you state-based actions. Um, so if Exquisite Archangel dies at the same time you would, so you're hit with something that does like, you're at three life and you're hit with something that does five damage to all players and all creatures. Um, the way state-based actions are, it's going to try and do them all at the same time. It's going to try and put Exquisite Archangel into the graveyard uh, at the same time that it tries to kill you um and that it's going to save you from that so you're actually going to have the situation where uh archangel is going to die you aren't and when i when i say die it just means it's, it's taking lethal damage and something's going to happen to it uh you aren't because the replacement effect's going to happen now in this particular case uh because of the way state-based actions are you're actually going to, in this specific case you're going to have the choice at that point because Archangel is trying to die, uh, and it's also having this this exile effect. Um, you you've got two effects that are trying to do different things. So you're actually going to get to decide whether or not the angel goes to the graveyard or to exile. You are still going to gain the life, uh, and you are not going to lose the game. Now, um, uh, this this also covers things like drawing from an empty library or if you get poison counters. But it's not as helpful then because what it's going to do is it's just going to set your life total back to 20. And then if you got 10 poison counters, next time state-based actions check, you're going to die. And if you lost from trying to draw from an empty library, next time you draw a card, you're just going to die. Um, now, if – well, what's that? Uh, would we not check state-based actions again immediately for the for the drawing of well, no. Would you have to no, draw because the state-based action is 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 if you drew a card. Well, if you drew a card since the last time state-based actions were checked from the empty library, uh, so it's not uh, going to keep saying it. Did, did you draw and lose? Did you draw and lose? Um, so um, also, uh, if an effect says so, if you have a card out that says you can't lose the game, um, then. Uh, uh, Exquisite Archangel isn't gonna isn't gonna interact. It's not gonna, you know, replace any. There's nothing to replace if if you were to to somehow lose. 
or an effect would cause you to lose or take damage or something like that. So if you were at five life and you had like a platinum angel out that says you can't lose the game and you took five damage, uh, exquisite archangel wouldn't set your life back up to 20 because platinum angel is keeping you from losing the game. So exquisite archangel isn't going to see anything. Um, let's see here. There's some weird multiplayer stuff with this. Um, so in games with uh, two teams, uh, their team winning is not the same thing as you losing. So this angel doesn't care. So in a two-headed giant, if if uh, if they play something that lets them win the game, uh, Archangel isn't gonna gonna prevent that. But in a multiplayer game, a win is actually so an effect that says you know at the beginning of your upkeep you win the game. That's actually defined as every other player loses. So this angel would actually uh, interact with that and prevent you from losing. Uh, it seems kind of weird. Um, and then in a two-headed giant game, uh, if your life total goes back to your starting life total, it's going to go back up to 30. So glad you're covering this. This is – two-headed giant stuff is – I mean, this matters, it man. does add pre-releases and stuff like that. Two-headed giant event, pre-release event, has got a lot of, lot of stuff. A lot of, yeah, lot of this, is, this is guaranteed to come up. Right. Yeah, I yeah, yeah. guarantee it. I would, I would, you know, dollars to donuts on that one. I mean, you might not run into it at the pre-release you go to, CJ. Burn. <laughs> but I've actually never seen it at a pre-release. <laughs> seen Two Headed Giant. Uh, actually, one of the ones I play in is Two Headed Giant. Yeah. I pretty much always do Two Headed Giant. Actually, CJ, you should come play Two Headed Giant with me at the pre-release. Well, I don't, I don't have friends that's why i just said you should come to play two-headed giant with me at the very least i think he's offering to be your friend yeah, CK. yeah. yeah I, I was you know after all this time i think we've got to the point where where we can be friends <laughs> you think you think <laughs> okay but i have oh, to be well, left because you're leaving cj right you know, I, i'm just being nice to, to be to be fair uh i haven't heard that offer uh before uh cj said he was leaving that's true maybe I don't trust your machinations, Jess. Well, uh... But maybe they were Gonti's machinations? Maybe they were. Whoever Gonti is. Gonti? Is that that it? I think this card was specifically added. I have no idea. um, Because it's hard to pronounce. Um, (laughs) So, Gonti's machinations, if that's how you pronounce it, is an enchantment. Whenever you lose life for the first time each turn, you get one energy. Uh, and you can pay two energy and sacrifice Gonti's machinations. And, uh, each opponent loses three life. You gain life equal to the life lost this way. So for the first ability, it's only going to trigger once. You only get one first time each turn. Um, and then the second ability is pretty straightforward. Um, the one kind of caveat here is in a two-headed giant game, um, the damage is going to be dealt and assigned to the specific players, which means that the team together is going to lose six life, and you'll gain six life. But not particularly creative. <laughs> or maybe it is. Oh, you have to sacrifice it? CJ, she was trying to give you a segue. Oh, <laughs> uh, man, she was. I was just trying to evaluate yeah. how this card was. It's good, John. Don't worry, CJ. One of these it... days, you'll figure out segues. <laughs> segues, yeah. Indomitable creativity. <laughs> I really didn't get it. I was like, are mach- machinations usually creative? I was like, I don't... I mean, you know, it's, it's just an energy card. Destroy X, target artifacts and or creatures. By the way, here's that X spell we were talking about earlier that you don't want to cast uh, for free. 
Destroy X target artifacts and or creatures. For each permanent destroyed this way, its controller reveals cards from the top of his or her library until an artifact or creature card is revealed and exiles that card. Those players put the exiled cards onto the battlefield, then shuffle their libraries. Alright, so, if no permanents are destroyed this way, then there's no reveal, no shuffle. So, uh, there's a couple ways that could happen. First off, you just choose to pay zero for X. I don't know why you would, but you could. Um, another option is, say, your opponent, you know, you target three things, and then they all get indestructible out of nowhere. Uh, in either case, we're just not going to do anything. Um and that's because, so, uh, it says for, blah, 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 what's the exact word? For each permanent destroyed this way. So the permanent has to actually have, uh, I'm trying to word this in a way that's not going to get myself in trouble here in a second. Um, they, uh, I don't have any good way to say this. So they, they have to actually be destroyed, even if that destruction may, even if the actual going to the graveyard uh, gets replaced later, but... They have to actually be destroyed. So uh, if they aren't actually destroyed, then we're not going to go start, you know, flipping it. You can't do the old polymorph tricks, unfortunately. Um, so, but the 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 example I was trying to get, make sure I stayed out of there, was that if you have a commander out um, and you destroy the commander with this, and then the commander goes to the uh, command zone, that still actually counts as it being destroyed this way. Because it was destroyed... It just went to another zone than we expected, but it was still destroyed. So if if you somehow don't have any artifacts or creatures in your entire library, then you're just going to reveal your entire library, um, shuffle it, and go on with your day. And it's worth noting that all the exiled cards are put on the battlefield at the exact same time. So if they were three clones, they could not see each other. So two bear cubs and a clone, you could not clone the bear. That's cubs. a lot of... You could clone. That's a lot of clones. Can you... Can you carry them all? Oh, wow. All right. Just do it. I'm so disappointed in that one that I'm just like, just just do it. Yeah. That's actually for you, Jess. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, I missed it now. No, I missed it because it? I wouldn't have pronounced it carry. Yeah. I don't know why. I would have pronounced it Kari, and I have no idea why. Kari? Uh, I don't know. So, I don't know which one it is. I, I yeah, thought it was Kari. I missed it. My bad. So Kari Zev, Skyship Raider. Um, so I was... Very confused, a little bit like peek behind the curtain here. Obviously, we have notes written out for these cards we're talking about. And, and I have this tendency of looking down at the notes before I look up at the card. And this card I hadn't seen before. So I looked down at the notes and I could not figure out for the life of me why there were so many monkeys referenced. <laughs> <laughs> so this card. Like, uh, when, I wrote, when I wrote the notes, it was, I was a little excited about the monkey. <laughs> <laughs> this is a bunch of monkeys. All right. So uh, it, this is a two mana, one, three legendary creature, human pirate. Um, it has first strike and menace. And when Karizev Skyship Raider attacks, create a legendary two, one red monkey creature token named Ragavan that's tapped and attacking. Yeah. Exile that token at end of combat, um, uh, which so, activates revolt. Yes, it does. Uh, it's it's uh, it's a legendary two one creature token named Ragavan. Now I've got a question about the flavor here. If okay. the two one monkey is blocked and dies, how does she summon another one the next time she attacks? Oh, she's got <laughs> this a lot. is like army of legendary two one monkeys. Yeah, Ragavan. she's got a lot. <laughs> well, <laughs> but they don't like or, each other. Or really, you just don't see. Like, what do you think her skyship is full of? Really? 
Obviously, it just doesn't really die. It goes back to its other plane. Like, I think, no, no, I agree with Brian. Some kind of plane or monkey? full of monkeys. Like, <laughs> the ship's just flying around, and all you can hear is, hey, hey, we're the monkeys. <laughs> or from... or this, isn't, this isn't, like, crazy cat lady. This is crazy monkey lady. And it's, like, from The Simpsons. Yeah. If you make her mad, she just starts throwing monkeys at you. Yeah. You, you you go in there and you're asking, like, what's that one's name? Ragavan. What about that one? Ragavan. What about that one? We call him Rag. Like, <laughs> anyway. Okay. So, uh... So interesting things. Uh, the monkey does not have to be attacking the same thing that she is attacking. So if uh, Kari Zev is attacking a planeswalker, for example, uh, the monkey, Ragavan, could be attacking something else. Also, even though it is attacking, it was never declared as an attacker. So that means that anything that triggers when something attacks does not trigger off the monkey. Uh, also, this is a delayed zone change trigger. What that means is that we handle it a little bit differently if this gets played at competitive REL than we do with other missed triggers, um, in that, uh, we will, um, the opponent has the option of having it happen now or at the beginning of the next, um, step or phase. Uh, is that, is that rolled into the, the thing about, I'm punting right now. Is that rolled into the thing about um, uh, default actions? Yeah. Where they, they uh, now get to choose not to do it at all? No, uh, I don't believe so. I, I think the default actions is yeah. is pretty much only on the default actions. Okay. So in that case, if, if I miss it, a competitive REL, my opponent will get to choose uh, whether I get the monkey now or at the beginning of the next phase. I think I said step earlier. Or lose I meant lose the monkey. Uh, Excel, ex, if you exile the monkey. Exile the monkey. Yes. Sorry. Uh, exile the monkey. Yeah. Do you, okay. do you know what else also blocks Ragavan really well? Um, bad dates. <laughs> Indiana Jones reference, man. Oh, all right. Carry on. I, I appreciate that Kari Zev can block the monkey if it's on the other side of the table. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> That's how she tamed him. No. Bad monkey. No banana. That's funny. <laughs> All right, I think actually the, the the real truth is the monkey's really just mechanical, and she's just got this giant production facility in the ship. These are all that's uh, totally mechanized. <laughs> okay. Uh, that would be a production. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it would be a production. Yeah. <laughs> mechanized production uh, costs two and two blue. It's an enchantment aura. Enchant artifact you control. At the beginning of your upkeep, create a token that's a copy of Enchanted Artifact. Then, if you control eight or more artifacts with the same name as one another, you win the game. So there's a little more going on here. Um, the uh, second part is all one ability. So at the beginning of your upkeep, you create the token and you do the check. All is part of the same ability. Um, the But the artifacts that that you have eight or more of don't have to be the the same name as the artifact you're enchanting. So they just, you have to have eight with the same name, but it doesn't matter what that name is. Um, So you have two of these going on at the same time. That's, that's a, that's a production line. Would get you there quicker. (laughs) All the standard copy stuff applies. Um, X is bad. Don't count continuous effects. Copy what's on the card. Um, if you if you're trying to um, 
you're trying to stop somebody when this is on the other side of the battlefield. Um, and you, if you destroy uh, the enchanted artifact in response to the trigger, you won't get the copy, but there'll still be a check. So if they had eight before it triggered, then they'll still win. Uh, if you destroy both the artifact and the enchantment at the same time, you're still going to get the trigger because um, state-based actions. So you'll... Sorry, guys. Can y'all help me yeah. out here? With the explanation? Yeah. Okay, so des- destroying the artifact and the enchantment at the same time uh, uh, in response to the trigger will will result in both uh, both the trigger and the state-based action check because – or sorry, uh, sorry, and the I win check um, – because what's what that particular thing is happening is so the the trigger the mechanized production is going to look back and say um, okay what uh, so here here's here's the distinction um, if I destroy the enchanted artifact okay what's going to happen is the artifact is going to be destroyed and then there's this moment where mechanized production is kind of hanging out in midair not attached to anything and then state based actions are going to put it in the graveyard. At that particular point, when the trigger goes to resolve, it's going to look at last known information. Last known information, uh, there was nothing. Uh, there was nothing that uh, mechanized production was enchanting, so you're not going to get a copy. But it's still going to do that I win check. If they're destroyed at the same time in response to the trigger, when the trigger resolves, it's going to say, "Okay, well, I'm going to get a a copy of the enchanted artifact. Uh, I'm gone. Let me look at last known information. (laughs) I was enchanting something. Uh, So you get a copy of that. In both cases, though, the I win check is going to happen. Okay, I I wasn't sure what distinction you were trying to point out there. Um, One weird thing that can happen with this card is that you can actually get rid of this card uh by taking control of the artifact that's enchanting if you're the opponent. Ooh. Oh, that uh, would work. Yeah, that's because good. it says enchant artifact you control. So if I play something, if my opponent has a, an artifact and they put mechanized production on it and I want to get rid of it, and all I have is this active treason in my hands, I can I can active treason their artifact, assuming it's a creature. I can active treason their artifact and take it, and now because they don't control the artifact anymore, but they still control mechanized production, uh the the enchant quality is no longer true because it's not an artifact they control. It's an artifact I control. And then mechanized production falls off. That's a hot tip. Yeah. All right. This one, this one, this next one should be pretty quick. P is revolution. Uh, tuna red. It's enchantment. Whenever a non-token artifact is put into your graveyard from the battlefield, return that card to your hand unless target opponent has P is revol- revolution uh, deal three damage to him or her. So this is just going to be a real brief thing about about triggers. Um, it's your opponent's choice. Okay, you can't do something like you know keep quiet about it and then uh, and then claim as uh, or, or that oh well I get a card back because my opponent didn't uh, uh, didn't say anything you know because oh it's it's target opponent because it's just assumed that that's the person I'm going to target and they didn't say that they were taking three damage so I get my card no. You know, it's it's your trigger. You're responsible for informing them that they have a decision that they need to make, and then they get to make it, and then you may or may not get your card. Deal with it. 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 You, you yeah, quicksmith so throw uh... attitude. <laughs> hey, here's the card we were talking about earlier. So, quicksmith throw three in a red, three two. <clears throat> when quicksmith rebel enters the battlefield, target artifact you control gains 
tap, this artifact deals two damage to target creature or player, for as long as you control Kicksmith Rebel. So if that artifact had lifelink, it would apply here, because the artifact's dealing the damage. So <clears throat> one thing to note here is this, this says for as long as you control Quicksmith Rebel. Uh, so if Quicksmith Rebel dies, you no longer control it. That's not, I don't know, to me that's not actually super obvious, right? Um, but a creature dying, it does mean you no longer control it, so the effect would wear off. Um, this is another opportunity where the opponent could steal your creature and the effect would wear off again. Uh, and you wouldn't get it back because he's not re-entering the battlefield. So he uh, he left he he you lost control of him, so the effect goes away on the artifact that you targeted. Yeah, and if you get it back, it doesn't doesn't turn back on. Yeah, it won't trigger again. Yeah, exactly. And then if this rebel is killed in response to its trigger, the artifact will never gain the ability. So there will be no point where you could have maybe tried to squeeze a shock out of it. Um, it just will never have that ability. The artifact will mostly be scrap. Yeah, it's interesting combination. Well, you mentioned you mentioned the life link that we talked about earlier when we added life link to to a card, uh -huh. but it also applies for vehicles that haven't been animated as well or haven't been crewed. Yeah, are there any vehicles? Yeah, that are there any vehicles have that life have life link printed? Or or death touch even? Yeah, interesting. Uh, okay. So let's talk about Scrap Trawler for a second, if, if we may. Oh, please, let's. Yeah. So Scrap okay. Trawler oh, is uh, an artifact creature construct that costs three, and it's a three, two. And whenever it or another artifact you control is put into a graveyard from the battlefield, you return to your hand target artifact card in your graveyard with lesser converted mana cost. This is a weird templating where it has the to your hand at the beginning. Um, but uh, yeah, it's, it's pretty straightforward there. Um, so, okay, so a couple weird things you can do with this card. Um, you put the target, or you choose the target, uh, when the trigger goes on the stack. So the, tr it already has to be in the graveyard when the trigger goes on the stack. Uh, but one of the more interesting things you can do if you have, say, a sculpting steel or something else like it, that's copying something that has a higher converted mana cost and it goes to the graveyard, you can get the sculpting steel back because its converted mana cost in the graveyard is lower than it was on the battlefield. So, for example, if if sculpting steel is copying something that has a converted mana cost of five and you have a scrap trawler on the battlefield and the, uh, uh, the, the sculpting steel that's copying something with CMC five goes to the graveyard, you can get sculpting steel back because its CMC is three in the graveyard. Cool. So you're just scrounging through that graveyard. Yeah, you could do some some pretty slick stuff with that. Actually, uh, that's pretty sweet. Like scrounging bands. Yeah, you can definitely uh, scrounging. Uh, it's it's pretty wily too. So uh, the next card is scrounging Bandar, which is a one in a green for a zero zero cat monkey. Um, it is looking significantly less Grinch-like than his uh, older brother or his younger brother, Wily Bandar. Uh, but Scrounging Bandar, uh, the cat monkey. <laughs> Jeez, that creature type. Um, enters the battlefield with two plus one plus one counters on it. Um, and at the beginning of your upkeep, you may remove any number of plus one plus one counters from Scrounging Bandar onto another creature. Uh, it's probably going to be zero, one, or two. But um, when that ability goes on the stack, um, 
you're going to you're going to choose that target immediately. This doesn't mean that you move the counters. So at the beginning of your upkeep, that creature right there might get some counters. Uh, then when it resolves, you get to decide whether or not you actually want to move the counter. So it's not going to be like if they kill your guy in response, you're like, oh, um, I got to I got to move my counter. I got to lose my counters. Oh, no. Um, and then once once the ability actually starts to resolve. Uh, so the trigger trigger's gone on. You've targeted. They've passed. Starts to resolve. The opponent can't can't decide to like try and uh, uh, kill it with damage and not uh, take into account the the plus one plus one counters on its on its effect. Like oh, I didn't know that it's gonna get two counters. Now I I want to kill it before it gets those. It's too late. Um, so moving a counter uh, is the same thing as placing on it so if there happens to be a card that cares about counters being placed on a permanent uh move counts i wonder if yes we would won't we (laughs) hey i like metallica that's a pretty band (laughs) these are terrible this is this is lowest tier segues we've ever had but they are masters of metal (laughs) right if i had to wow if i had to categorize them right (laughs) you know who else is a master of metal no tezzeret no Yes. What? Yes, so Tezzeret, Master of Metal, is another of the Planeswalker deck cards. So it's not in... It won't be in the packs in the sets, but it is in the Planeswalker deck. Um, He has three abilities. Uh, Plus one, reveal cards from the top of your library until you have... uh, Until you reveal an artifact card. Put that card into your hand and the rest on the bottom of your library in a random order. So if you don't have any artifacts in your deck... You're just going to keep revealing, and then you're going to shuffle all of the cards. But it doesn't count as a real shuffle since you're not actually shuffling your deck. You're shuffling the cards that are going to go back to the bottom of your deck. And I'm not sure why you're playing Tezzeret if you don't have any artifacts. Uh, For minus three, target opponent loses life equal to the number of artifacts you control. And for minus eight, gain control of all artifacts and creatures target opponent controls. So that's a permanent gain. You just get to keep them. Um, Sweet. For the minus, oh, and for the minus three ability, um, that's going to look at the number of artifacts as the as the ability resolves. So if your c- opponent kills one of or destroys one of your artifacts in response, then they're going to lose one left le- one less life. So I I feel that this card is probably one of the more demanding of an altar. Than than many other cards in the set, like maybe maybe uh, Kari with the with the monkey, but sure. I th- I think that this uh, that this this demands an altar. Hmm. All right, <laughs> well, let's talk about Tezzeret's touch. Touch, touch, the touch. <laughs> uh, so Tezzeret's touch reads: When all hell's breaking loose, you'll be right in the eye of the storm. It also reads: Enchant artifact. Enchanted Artifact is a creature with base power and toughness 5-5 in addition to its other types. <clears throat> when Enchanted Artifact is put into a graveyard, return that card to its owner's hand. All right, so let's uh, let's dive into what it means to animate an artifact it means like this. It becomes scissors. So, the, yes, it's basically that card again. So, <clears throat> um, and this is true of vehicles too, so that this part's a little bit easier. But uh, obviously the card is still subject to summoning sickness. So if you just played that artifact this turn and animated it, it can't attack or tap, use tap abilities. But if you've had the artifact for a few turns and then animate it, you know, go nuts. Doesn't matter, because that doesn't count as it entering the battlefield. It was already on the battlefield. If what you're enchanting is already an artifact creature, so say it's that Ornithopter we talked about earlier, 
it's going to become a 5-5 instead of whatever it was before. So that's totally legal. You can do that. So now you have a 5-5 flying ornithopter, which is pretty good. If you put a, this on a vehicle, the vehicle will become a 5-5 creature. Uh, just like the ornithopter, it maintains any abilities it had. Specifically, flying is the big one we've been seeing. Um, but what's interesting is if you crew it, it will not change its power and toughness. So, you know, we started off talking about that 3-5 flyer. Uh, if you enchanted it with this, it becomes a 5-5 flyer. Because now it's an artifact creature, so the flying matters. Uh, and then if you activate its crew cost for some reason, that doesn't change anything. Because those those the power and toughness of the crew cost is part of the base characteristics of the artifact. Uh, it, it's, it's a little weird quirk in how vehicles work. It's not normal, because normally when you animate an artifact, it has a power and toughness setting effect, but vehicles don't have that. Uh, instead, they have the uh, just this characteristic power and toughness that gets switched on when they become an artifact creature. So so this effect will always win vehicles. Uh, if the enchanted artifact is an equipment and it's equipped, the equipment is unequipped immediately as a state-based action. If you put this on a non-creature artifact um, and you swing with that creature... So now it's a creature, of course, and it's in combat. And then this enchantment is removed suddenly, such as naturalized, disenchant, other means. Uh, that creature is going to be removed from combat because it's no longer a creature. So I shouldn't even call it that creature because now it's just back to a regular old artifact. Your soul ring is now just a plain old artifact. And so it can't be in combat, so it'll just be removed from combat. So even if you were to flash in another Tezzeret's touch, it'd be too late. It's already been removed from combat. And I just always call out, I always try to note on these kinds of cards, because they, they switch up what gets returned to your hand. So in this case, the enchanted artifact is what gets returned to hand if um, if the enchanted artifact dies. So obviously if you kill the artifact in response to this spell, so this spell is targeting the artifact, then the artifact dies, and this dies. And you win. You win a treasure. A treasure? What kind of treasure? treasure? I don't know. Uh, it's, you, you keep it? it? It's, it's full of monkeys. You'll keep it. A monkey shirt. I love that they felt like, hey, you know what this plane needs? Monkeys and cat monkeys. <laughs> well, cat monkeys existed in the first the first set of the block. I really feel like more planes need cat monkeys. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. And in um, cons of Tarkir, we got the cat demon. Yeah. So oh. I feel like we're really exploring. <laughs> your cat. Are you yeah. are you hearing my yeah, cat, your demon? cat demon? Yeah. You woke the cat demon. Uh, yeah, we're really exploring all the cat options available to us. Um, well, all right. Moving on to the next card, we have Treasure Keeper, which is an artifact construct. Uh, sorry, artifact creature, uh, cat construct. Oh wait, no, it's just a construct. Um, anyway, so when Treasure Keeper dies, where you reveal the cards from the top of your library until you reveal a non-land card with converted mana cost three or less, you may cast that card without paying its mana cost. Put all revealed cards not cast this way on the bottom of your library in a random order. If you choose not to, or for whatever reason can't, cast the revealed card, it just gets randomized with the other cards you revealed and put on the bottom. Um, you still have to go through um, everything that you normally do in casting a spell uh, when you do this. Um, so, like, you, you still have to, even though you're casting it without paying its mana cost, you still have to do all the normal stuff, and you can't do additional costs. Uh, I'm sorry, you can't do... Um, other alternate costs you can pay additional costs such as kicker um yeah so for the record there is one cat construct and that is stalking tiger you had to go check didn't you i I had to know if there was a cat construct so it's not even playable yeah yep so so uh you can pay additional costs 
uh, alternate costs uh, you can't pay, and X in almost every card's converted mana cost will be zero. I would like to take exception to the fact that Stalking Tiger is uh, Stalking Tiger is not playable. It's it's, it's very playable. Okay. It's fun. In what casual land? <laughs> Way to bring it back. I feel like this uh, this podcast is really winding back to where it started. Which brings us to Winding Constrictor. <laughs> That's so stupid. <laughs> yep, it totally naturally did. <laughs> uh, so Winding Constrictor is a 2-3 snake creature. Uh, there's actually been a slight Oracle's text change for this card, so I'm going to read the Oracle text rather than the card itself, uh, and then we'll talk about the change a little bit. So it says, if one or more counters would be placed on an artifact or creature you control, that many plus one of each of those kinds of counters are placed on that permanent instead. If you would get one or more counters, you get that many plus one of each of those kinds of counters instead. So what the Oracle text did was clarify that you're getting one of each kind rather than just, sorry, you're getting one additional of each kind instead of just one additional. Yeah, the... Because I think you compare this to um, Proliferate, and for Proliferate, you can only choose one, one of the kinds of counters, but for this one, you get one of each. Right, Right. and the the original text was not clear on that. If you were adding uh, more than one at a time, uh, it it sounds like you only get one of those, and you have to pick one. Right, so luckily the Oracle text makes it even more clear here. Um, So just a couple of points. One is that entering the battlefield with counters on it counts as having counters placed on it placed on the creature or artifact so you would get the one additional counter um and if something gives counters through multiple different instructions so such as life crafters gift puts a plus one plus one counter on target creature then put a plus one plus one counter on each creature you control that has a plus one plus one counter on it you would get an additional counter for each of those instructions so we get an additional plus one plus one counter as the target creature, and then again as um, a creature with a plus one, plus one counter on it. Bonus. Pretty sweet. It is. And if you have two snakes, then you get two additional counters. And if you have three snakes, you get three additional counters. So that's really good. If you have four snakes, how many additional counters do you get? Hmm. I think you get three plus one. Or four. Four? Okay, okay, okay. Got it. <laughs> Just so, make sure that you're also adding one additional counter of everything that is negative as well. So you're you're going to get an additional poison counter, and your creatures are going to get additional negative one, negative one counters as well. Yeah. Obviously not really uh, for uh, limited, but this is not optional. Yeah, well, poison poison counters is it's just artifacts and creatures you can troll. No, the second paragraph. The second well. paragraph. Oh, okay. This this card has two abilities. Oh, right. But you also right. get bonus experience counters. Oh, yep. And energy oh. counters. Uh, and yeah, all that stuff. All that. Stuff. And and verse verse counters. Did you get yeah. extra verse counters? Oh, you'll be you'll be rolling in verse counters. You don't even know. Sweet. All right. So. Uh, well, that's it. We can't do any kind of. <laughs> there's no no segue yeah. there. We're we're out of uh, the cards we wanted to talk about. Who we've, we've wound down. Oh, right. kind of restricted on the type of counters I can think of on the fly. Yeah. <clears throat> All right. Feather counter. That's my favorite. <laughs> so 
Oh, see, I thought you were doing kind of a constricted joke, but I see what you're doing now. So we have the banned and restricted announcement, and I think uh, we would be a terrible Judge News podcast if we didn't mention it, uh, because this one's pretty big. So in standard, they have banned Emrakul, uh, The Promised End, Reflector Mage, and Smuggler's Copter. And in modern, they have banned Gitaxian Probe and Golgari Grave Troll. So this should all be um, in effect as of the next set's release, I believe. Yeah, I think the was it the 20th or something, I think, is when... Uh, yeah, the 20th is when they go so, into effect. Yeah. So usually we get this information a little bit later, so we don't put it in this episode. But they're also going to be announcing banned and restricted lists uh, at a different time. Yeah. So so they said that there's a lot a lot of people were planning and brewing decks and stuff like that. Uh, so so they don't they don't announce standard bannings very often. Uh, I, I think I think this kind of indicates a shift in that philosophy mm-hmm. um, because these these cards were definitely pervasive in in standard but I don't think any of these was Jason the Mind Sculptor Powerful which was the last card we saw banned in standard it was Jason and uh, Stoneforge Mystic um, and I think this really demonstrates a shift in philosophy of they really want to make sure they don't run into the problems they had with the, the quote unquote Cobblade era where, where attendance starts to go down and the game suffers that they're probably moving forward we can expect them to take a, a stronger hand in, in these things well i mean, uh, I, I hope that they kind of like ease up on the on the power level because because these when you when you talk about jace like emrakul and smuggler copter like granted smuggler copter is not as powerful as as jace's but emrakul is the games are so boring to watch i mean it was well, really it's more, just so the thing with smuggler's copter is just that basically everything plays it yeah it's it, everywhere it's, it's ubiquitous if every deck has to play it if if like if like you're building a deck and you go, okay, well we're going to start with Smuggler's Copter. Like it doesn't matter what you're playing, then that's actually a problematic thing for the format. It's not diverse at all. Amanda, do you play much? Does this mean anything to you? Not really. Think yeah, this, this is, is where the big restricted is going to apply. I mostly play limited, so. Me too. <laughs> I mean, I understand it's it's rocking the magic world, but to me, I was just like, okay. Well, I, mean, it, I was it, more it, I was more thinking it's kind of good to get rid of Emrakul. It's too late now. So, so they'd actually made the 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 comment like Reflector Mage. A lot of people are asking about Reflector Mage, and so the the comment on on Twitter from from Watsi that I saw was uh, that the the blue white flash deck is performing too good, and so they were looking at they they wanted to weaken it, and Reflector Mage was a gold card that the deck used that not a lot of other decks needed that did a lot of work for that deck. So they could actually get rid of get rid of Reflector Mage, weaken the deck, and not have a whole lot of other collateral damage to other possible decks out there. So it's kind of one of these, I guess, by the numbers bannings. Yeah, makes sense in that context. Yeah. All right. Well, if you want to contact us, you can by emailing us at judgecast at gmail.com, liking us on Facebook, following us on Twitter, all those great things. So. Amanda, first off, thank you very much for being on, helping us out this episode. Uh, no problem. I was happy happy to participate. Putting up with that, whatever that was. Uh, thankfully, it's a small set, so it's not a ridiculously long episode. This is probably uh, one of our shorter release notes episodes. It is. It possibly is. the shortest. But I think, you know what I think the other time we had a shorter one was when Morph was out. Because Morph separate... took up so much yeah. complexity, right, that the cards themselves were not that complex. Um and I think vehicles are t- kind of doing the same thing. Sure, I can see that. Yeah. So, 
Uh, Amanda, do you have anything you want to plug? You want to talk about? We always give our guests an opportunity to just talk about whatever they want here. You know, favorite uh, Shakespeare play. <laughs> if you're going to be in the Victoria, uh, Victoria, Texas area, we have a, a East Texas mini conference coming up on March 18th. So uh, that's up on Judge Apps right now. That's pretty sweet. Cool. Well, who's running? Who's who's running it or organizing it? Um, so that's primarily Kyle Evans and some of the other L2s in the area are helping. So. Cool. All right. Well, does anyone else have anything else they want to add? Oh, I don't think so. I'm so glad Emrakul's gone. I'm so sick. <laughs> I'm so sick of that card. I I was very tired of the well. If I ever call my opponent and then I have my opponent cast Emrakul on me, what do we? You know, all that kind of crap. I was just like, uh, I don't care. I, I was I was sick of uh so when you're sitting there when like time has been called in the in the round and yeah. and I'm just sitting there there's only one thing worse than watching you like struggle to to figure out what to do on your turn as a judge and that's watching you struggle to figure out what to do on your opponent's turn like yeah. as your opponent like that's just I'm so glad that card's gone all right so you heard it here good riddance to bad rubbish. <laughs> what? What? <laughs> All right, my name's Heath Schrader. I keep it fair. I'm Jess Dunks. I keep it fun. I'm Brian Prillman, and I keep a buttload of monkeys in my skyship. <laughs> <laughs>